No, but I think uh, we've, we've, we've celebrated today and we've seen in these three lives the evidence of the work of God, heavenly, uh, how he's touching lives and, and, and blessing and so present and so real and so good. Um, and we've praised him. Uh, I love that last song. That was, a, that was a moving song for me. Let me pray. God, we come now to, um, to hear from you. You have a message for us today uh, from your word, a, a message that uh, um, through which you wish to speak to every single person here. So come now, God, by your spirit and open our minds and our hearts uh, to understand, open our eyes to see who you really are um, and how you can impact our lives in such incredible ways. So bless us, we pray, every single one of us, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're working through this series on core needs, uh, the basic needs that are wired into our being when we are born as human beings. Um, and there are many. We've looked at three of them already. We've talked about the need to be loved, the need to belong, and the need for security. And today we're going to really kind of zone in in the need for significance. The idea is this, that, that, that we need to know that we're significant, that we're important, that we're a somebody. You know, I was thinking about how to try to, to, try to illustrate this, and, and I thought this, and you'll know my hesitation in saying it in a minute, but if I were to say to you next week, John Travaris and Mitch Marner were coming to church, I thought it was great until I watched that game last night, and I'm going, oh, oh my goodness. But anyway, say those guys are coming, Mitch Marner, you know, Riley, all, all those great Leaf players, they're talented guys. You know, there, there would be people in this room who would say, I'm going to be here because those people, they're somebody. They're important. Everybody knows them. They make like 11 million a year. They got to be important, right? And I'd like to come and I'd like to see them. Maybe I could shake their hand. Maybe I could get their autograph. I could get a 21-year-old to write something on my book or whatever, right? But they're, they're a somebody. They're significant. But movie stars... What if I told you Angelina Jolie was coming to church next Sunday? You know what would happen? All the men would be here. <laughs> and probably a whole lot more who have never been to church before, right? Because she's beautiful and she's famous and she's talented. And all the women roll their eyes, right? What if I told you Brad Pitt was coming to church next Sunday? <laughs> Gotcha, right? Yeah. <laughs> You'd be here too. Because, you know, we would want to connect with those people and, and, and maybe shake their hand, maybe get their autograph. You know, what, you know sometimes it's, it's, it's because of athletic accomplishments. Sometimes it's because of, you know, um, people are movie stars or they're attractive, that they're significant, even in our own world, our own experience. Sometimes it's because people are incredibly su successful in their field of endeavor. What if I told you Bill Gates was coming to church next week? I believe still the wealthiest man in the world because of his incredible accomplishments in the, world, in the world of technology. Like you can understand how someone would say, well, there's a significant guy. He has changed our culture. He's changed our world by what he has produced. They're significant. You know, and I could go on. I want to play a little, um, a little game with you here. I'm going to start a sentence and I want you to finish it. We're talking about people who are somebodies, right? People who have significance and importance. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the beginning of a sentence, and I want you in your own mind, don't have to say it out loud, I want you to complete the sentence. I want you to do it quickly. I don't want you to think about it. I just want to see what comes, okay? Are you ready? 
Here we go. I'm a somebody because... Now, obviously, I don't know what your answer to the, uh, your, your, your continuation of that sentence was. And some of you might have come up with some things, but here's what I bet a lot of people with, would come up with in a bit of an awkward, uh, awkwardly formed sentence. I'm a somebody because dot, dot, dot. I'm not a somebody. There are a lot of people in this world who don't think that they're significant, that they don't particularly have importance. There are people who look at themselves and they don't see the incredible accomplishments or the wealth or the fame. And they sit back and they think, you know what, that's not me. And very often what happens as a result is people give themselves to trying to achieve significance in life. You know, they, they, they work hard and with intention, maybe not really thought through particularly, but at the, something in them saying, I need to prove to people that I'm important. I need to prove to me that I'm important. I need to prove that I'm not a nobody. And we do a lot of stuff to get there. Sometimes we pursue the status symbols. Think about that young guy, 20 years old. No, 25. He's got a job and making money. And he gets that brand new sports car. Convertible. Beautiful summer evening. And he's driving downtown Woodstock with the top down. <laughs> he's cruising. And he's not going fast. Because part of the whole exercise is that he wants to see he wants people to see him in the car. And he wants them to be impressed. And he wants them to think, man, that guy's a somebody because of the car he's driving. You get that? He wants people to stand back and go, wow, that guy's a somebody. That guy's, that guy's significant. Look at the, how does he do that? How does he buy a car like that? Wow, I'm impressed. Sometimes it's not a car. Sometimes it's a house. Oh, look where they live. <laughs> well, that's a big one. That's, that's like a mansion. Whoa, that's impressive. So important sometimes because there's something in us that wants to make a statement. Look at me. I'm okay. I'm significant. Sometimes it's even where we live. I'm going to tell you a story from way back in my family history, but my grandmother uh, in Northern Ireland brought her family up, my dad included, on a little street called Donard Street. Uh, very much a working-class neighborhood. All the guys would go down to the shipyards to build ships, and then they'd come back at the end of the day. Well, her sister, my dad's Aunt T, I guess my great-aunt, um, lived on the same street for a long time, but her children started to get older, and she began to think, you know, they're going to soon be applying for jobs, and I don't want them to have to write down that they live on Donard Street, so she moved so that when her kids applied for a job, the potential employer would look at the application and see that they lived on, listen to it, my lady's lane. <laughs> Am I right, Dad? Did I get that right? <laughs> he says no, but I think I'm right. <laughs> so they're significant. Like, wow, they live there. You know, and on and on it goes. Sometimes it's when we achieve it academically. You know, I have a doctorate. <coughs> I don't, but some people might think that if they have one. <laughs> or, or, you know, I've gotten into med medical school. I'm a somebody. Or, you know, I've graduated as a lawyer. 
And you know what? We give them that place. We give them status. We think of them as somehow significant or important, more so than ourselves because of what they have achieved in terms of career. And on and on it could go. There, 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 there's the reality that there's something in us, not only that we want it, but we're willing to give it to other people. And we look for the status symbols, and we look for those accomplishments, and we look for those positions where people might stand back and say, whoa, that's impressive. There's significance there. There's something wired into every human being that needs to know that I am significant. Put it this way, double negative. I need to know that I'm not a nobody. And we often give ourselves to proving that we are, not only to other people, but to ourselves. Um, and in the process, <laughs> we hope people will just be so, so impressed with us, so, so much uh, that, they, that they give us that reality. I want to tell you, this, this core need, it's wired into our being. Every single human being on the planet who has ever lived needs to know they are significant. What I'm here to tell you is this. And after this, if you want to leave, you can, because this is the point. You are not significant because of what you do, but because of whose you are. You, if indeed this is the reality, having come to faith in Jesus Christ, and we've celebrated three people who have, who have, who have declared that and who have encountered that reality in their lives today, uh, and, and we see it evidenced in, in their baptism. Um, if you're a child of God, you have significance because you're a child of God. Not because of what you drive or the house you live in or the street address. Not because of what you have accomplished academically or in career. You are significant because you are his. And I want to take some time today to kind of walk through why that actually is. Why that is the case from a biblical perspective. So here we go. You know, we spent last year a lot of months going through the story campaign. Um, the story campaign was a story, for those of you who weren't here, uh, that begins in Genesis and ends in Revelation. It describes the grand narrative of the Bible. The story of God from when he created human beings and Adam and Eve fell into sin, they blew it and they were alienated from him. And God has spent all these thousands of years and will continue to until he chooses for Jesus Christ to return when, when the world will be restored and, and, and Christ will reign with us and the world will be transformed and made new. God is accomplishing that reality from beginning to end. And that's one of the, 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 the dynamic things that the story campaign told us. The other thing that I, I would suggest is it was um, critical to the campaign itself was what I would often say to you. And what I would say to you is God is doing what he is doing in order to get him back to you. Remember me saying that? In, in, in order to get you back to him. I got that backwards, didn't I? Yeah. Remember me saying that. <laughs> Like it was in the heart of God to not leave us alienated from him, not at the distance from him, not under his judgment, but to somehow be able to embrace us as his children again. So God got busy with the story. And here's what I want you to do as I briefly scan some parts of the story. I want you to apply these things to your life, and I want you to recognize what God did in order to get you back to him in order to get you into a relationship with him, in order for you to believe and become a child of God. All right? What did he do after Adam and Eve? Here comes the, 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 the big the sequence. Number, 
It's not, a, not everything, obviously. But he chose a man named Abraham and a woman named Sarah to form a nation called Israel. He said, Abraham, Sarah, uh, out of you is going to come the Savior of the world. Out of you, I'm going to form a nation, and you're going to bless the whole world uh, through your descendants. And that nation uh, went into slavery in Egypt, and God reached into them, and he, he, he pulled them out of Egypt, out of slavery, out of suffering, and he took them to the promised land and gave them this incredible place in which to live. He gave them the law so they could live by it and know the goodness of it. He, he revealed himself to them. He gave them the sacrificial system so that they could see this picture of the one who was to come and die in their place. Even though they were incredibly unfaithful, unfaithful to their covenant commitment, God was always faithful to his covenant commitment to his people. No matter what they did, he loved them and, and he, he persisted with them. And out of that nation, in the end came Jesus. Listen, the son of God, he gave up, and, and, I, and let me say it again, God did all of this for you. He had the capacity, because he's God, to have you in mind when this is all happening, all right? He did it for you. Out of that nation came the person of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Bible says, who was willing to give up the glory and the power of heaven to become a human being. Let me tell you, I, 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 that was a huge step down. You understand that, right? For, for, for the eternal Son of God to become a human being, and not only to become a human being, but ultimately to die this criminal, shameful death on a cross so that you could be forgiven your sin, so that you might have faith in Jesus and come into a relationship with God again so he could wrap his arms around you and love you as his kid, his child. And then at a certain point in time, I think for all of us within the last hundred years, um, God created you. Isaiah, I'm going to read this. Isaiah, uh, sorry, Psalm 139, verse 13. I love this verse. For you created, psalmist speaking of God, my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. God did that for you. This is not some random biological process. This process required the presence and the creative act of God. And he formed you. Wow, isn't that an amazing thing? Then verses 15 and 16 of the same chapter. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Your eyes saw my unformed body? It's like God was there? My goodness, what a thought. And well, you were born and you grew up and by the work of God's Holy Spirit, he, he opened your eyes to see and to believe and you embraced Jesus and received him by faith. He chose you to be his own. The Bible says he adopted you because he wanted you in his family. God chose you and brought you into his family. And now the Spirit of God dwells in you and by the way, you dwell in God. So scripture says, we are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. You are. And he has promised to never leave us or forsake us. Last week we talked about Jesus in the boat in the storm. What was the basic point there? You will never go through one of those incredibly painful, difficult times in life without Jesus being present to you, willing to exercise his, his, his power because he desires to save you and to take you through. You! And in the end, one of my favorite verses, we're not going to read it, but Zephaniah chapter 3, because we read it last week, says that God delights over you with singing. 
hear it. He delights over you with singing. As a father or a mother delights over his or her child with song. Now listen to me. Tell me, would God do all those things for someone who's not significant? Would he even think about doing it for people? Unless they had incredible significance in his mind and in his heart. Unless he thought they were, 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 were important to him. Unless he honestly thought they really were somebody. I want to tell you, my friends, if you're in this faith, you are a significant not because of what you have achieved, not because of what you own, not because of the house you live in, not because you've been successful in any endeavor. You are significant because of whose you are and because of who you are in Christ. You are his. You are a child of God. And I want to tell you, we cannot, we must not look to other people to tell us we're significant as we're driving down Dundas Street or be impressed with us because of what we've achieved in career. We must not look to people to tell us we are significant. That, honestly, is idolatry because we are putting people in the place of God. We must look to the living God in order to know that He thinks we are significant so that we might then believe it. Do you? Do you? I want to read, um, I think it's kind of cool, a verse that's been referenced several, several times today. Isaiah 43, verses 1 and 4. Say this. And by the way, I know I've used this, these verses lots. Again, some of my favorites. I just don't know a verse that says it better. And I want you to identify as Jacob and Israel. We are now the people of God formed in Christ. We are the people of God we who believe in Jesus, this was written, of course, to Israel way back. But now, O oh, Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. Listen to this, people. Hear it. O oh, Israel, the one who formed you says, do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. Say it with me. You are mine. You belong to God. We dealt with that a couple of weeks ago, right? Then, later on, others were given in exchange for you. I traded their lives for yours. How, what significance does that communicate? Because you are precious to me. You are honored, and I love you. I love you. See, I want to tell you, my friends, if you are in Christ, you are significant because you are a child of God, precious to him, loved by him. You are worthy. You are significant just by taking a few minutes to remember everything that God has done to get you back to him. And I want to challenge maybe a belief that you hold in your heart today. Because I think a lot of people don't believe they're significant, they don't believe that they're important, they don't believe they're somebody. But they are if they're in Christ. It's remarkable. Now, I want to turn again, make that turn toward how to parent our children and how to grandparent them, actually, too. Because what we have 
landed on in this series is that if we can bring our children up and to the extent that we are able, it's imperfect, but the extent that we are able to help them form beliefs about themselves regarding their core needs, when the time comes for them to consider whether God uh, perceives them as we do, that'll be a far easier for thing for them to embrace. So if we convince them that they're loved, and if we convince them that they are that they have belonging, if we convince them that they, are, um, that they have um, um, security and safe, and if we can convince them that they are important, that they have significance, a day will come in their lives when they, they will be told that God loves them and that they have belonging in God and that they have, uh, 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 why am I blanking on that one? They are safe in Him, right? And then the last part being today that they have significance. When they are told that someday that they're going to believe it, some of you were brought up and you were taught somehow the opposite and in each one of these sermons you're pushing back against me oh i'm not really that lovable i'm not loved i don't really belong i can't tend to live my life isolated alone i'm not really safe and secure no life is dangerous and i'm going to sweat that and i'm going to live out of that fear and i'm not important don't tell me that chris god doesn't think i'm important because i don't believe that but if we as parents can get our kids to think differently about these realities, a day will come when they will hear about these things from God and ultimately their needs can be met in Him because His love is perfect and, 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 and they will be fully and completely satisfied in their core being as their needs are satisfied in Him. So how do we do this for our children? How do we communicate to our kids that they are significant? <clears throat> it's one of your jobs, parents and grandparents. It's just something to focus on. It's something to give yourself to. You'll never do this completely. God ultimately has to do it for them. But you can help in the process. Well, you know one of the things, and you're going to find some repetition here, and I recognize that, but I, I think it's so critically important. I'm going to talk to it again. We need to communicate to our kids that they are significant by honoring them, by giving them our time and attention. And in so doing, prove to them that they are one of the priorities of our lives. You know, if we will make them one of the most important realities in our experience, they will see it, they will experience it, and they will interpret it, right? They will see, I have been given significance by mom and by dad, and yes, by grandma and grandpa. And they will, they will come to this belief that I have significance because of the way I have been treated. And one of the things we can do is to communicate to them that they are a great priority to us, that they are incredibly significant to us by simply giving them our time and attention. See, if we don't give our kids our time and attention and we give our time and attention and indeed our priority to other things, they will sit back. They're, not, they're no dummies and they will actually s interpret in their minds. They'll just start to believe those things are really important to mom and dad or dad. Those things are really significant but I'm not. This is a huge dynamic, a huge reality. Let me play it out a little bit. Dads, historically, we have been kind of brought up to believe, and I believe this is lessening now, but I, still, it's, I think it's still in the air. We have been brought up to believe that we, could, we are to love our kids by providing for them financially. Um, but I want to tell you something. We can go to work and we can knock ourselves out actually because we love our kids. And our kids will not recognize love in that reality. Like a four-year-old doesn't say, oh, dad's out working again, therefore he loves me. A four-year-old just doesn't do that. And I want to tell you, a 14-year-old doesn't either. 
And I'm not saying that that's not an expression of love. I think it's a very sincere and real expression of love historically in the parts of lots of, of dads. And even, and, and moms now too, right? But if we will prioritize time with them, if we will be with them, if we will say those other things aren't priority, you are, and I'm entering into your presence to be with you and to enjoy you and to know you and to love you, those kids will start to, they'll interpret that. That, you know, mom and dad are here with me, and they're not over there, therefore I got to be pretty important. They'll see that they are priority, and the message will be sent. And they will receive it and they believe, will believe it. You know, 20 plus years ago, it is many years plus, I began working in ministry here in Interkip. And um, in, in, in a particular sermon series, I, I happened to say, my family is my priority. And later that week, somebody came to me quite graciously and said, you know, that surprised me when you said that. I said, why? He said, because you're always here. That was like a two by four upside the head. I thought, he's right. What does it communicate to kids when dad's here all the time? What it communicates is this is important, not so much them. <laughs> I was also thinking of, you know, when we fall in love, when we might meet Ms. or Mr. Wright, and we move toward engagement, and we move into the early years of marriage. Think about this. <laughs> how, do, how is it in those years that you communicate to that other person that they are significant to you. Like, what is it that tells you, my goodness, <laughs> I must be pretty special? I'm just thinking of a story I told you ages ago, but when my wife Heather was at Western and I was in Toronto, I was working and pining away for marriage, but she was having fun and I... Uh, <laughs> and... Uh, we would talk on the phone kind of after church on Sundays if we hadn't been together in the weekend, which often did happen. One day I thought, I'm going to be, I'm going to be sneaky and even romantic. So we're on the phone, we're talking away. Okay, talk to you later. Click. Got in my car, drove to London. Walked down. She was in the library. Right, honey? In the library. She even said she recognized my footsteps. I don't get that, <laughs> but she did. <laughs> and I walked in big hugs. It was great. We went to Wendy's for a hamburger and I drove home again. <laughs> what was communicated by presence? What was communicated by sacrificing time and gas money or whatever? You know, I, you know, it didn't matter. Those things just didn't matter to me. I just wanted to be with this young woman with whom I had fallen in love. See, presence communicates significance. And by the way, think about those dating years significance alone. I didn't take my mother with me. I didn't take my father with me. <laughs> no, I didn't want that. I just wanted to be with Heather on my own. Listen to this, parents. You can communicate significance to your children simply by giving them your time and your attention, and particularly by doing it one-on-one -on -one with them. Just be with them. And it will communicate profoundly to your children that they are significant to you, that you love them, that you're pre they're precious to you, and so forth. Number two, use words. I made that point before in this series also, haven't I? But I'm saying that again because God uses words. 
I've referenced them already today. He tells us over and over and over and over again in his word, the scripture, the means by which God speaks to us, you are worthy. You are worth dying for. You are precious to me. I love you. And I can't emphasize how important it is that we use words to, to bring life to our children, to help convince them of what they don't naturally believe, that I'm worthy and I'm precious and that I'm loved and that I'm ultimately significant. See, we have to convince them of it. I know a man who, um, young in life, not in the really early years, which tends to be the focus of what I'm saying in this series, but young in life, had someone, not a parent, but someone of significance say to him, you'll never amount to anything. And you know what? That man spent 40 years in the business world proving, mostly to himself, that what was spoken into his life wasn't true. Um, he succeeded. <laughs> I'm a somebody because I have succeeded. No. That's not, where, that's not where this significance ultimately comes from. I know another man, uh, this is years and years ago when I lived in Toronto, very successful businessman, very wealthy, but lived a driven life, and he admitted himself that he was a far better businessman than he was a dad. That, that dad stuff didn't go really well, which, of course, was tough for him as he looked back. But his wife said to me at one point, you know, I st he was probably 55 at the time. He said, I, th I still think he, my husband, is still trying to prove himself to his dad because his dad didn't ever approve of him. His dad didn't say through his actions, the way he lived in relationship to the person, and through his words that you are precious to me and I love you and you are significant just because you're mine. So my friends, use words. Tell your kids that you love them. Tell them that they're precious to you. Tell them that they're a priority. Tell them that you delight in them. Tell them. And then, listen to me, back it up by how you live in ways that I've described already. You can use the words, but if the life doesn't prove it to them, the words will not be believed. Words are important, but it needs a whole lot more. Sacrifice for them. Give them your time and your attention so that they know they are significant. How about this one? Praise them and affirm them and love them, not just when they succeed, but because they're your kids. You see, if we only tell them that they are significant to us because they have accomplished something, because they have done something, they will start to believe in their core being that they are significant because of behavior. They probably believe that anyway. <laughs> that only, only will be reinforced. No, speak into these kids' lives. Praise them for who they are. Tell them that they're precious because they're your child. And love them and give them significance even when they fail so that they know they're significant just because of who they are in relationship with you. And lastly, this is, this is there's some, some similarity in this point, but can you just celebrate them for who they are? Do you ever sit down and say, you know, I just love this in you. I just love to see your joy. I just love to see, um, you know, your kindness and your compassion. I just love to see, and you fill in the blank. Let them know you've noticed. <laughs> 
Let them know that you celebrate who they are. Grandparents, again, this, you can do this in spades. You don't have to discipline them, right? You're just a positive influence. But speak it into their reality. Make their birthdays a really special day. Celebrate them for who God has made them to be. Let me say it again. If kids grow up believing they're not significant, when they get to the point when someone like me is, is going to tell them that God thinks they're significant, they're going to push back against it. But if they have been nurtured in this fashion, they're going to hear someone like me someday hopefully tell them God thinks you're significant, that you're important, that you're somebody to him. And they're going to be, yeah, I, I'm not going to push back again. I kind of get that. And as they move into a deeper understanding of God and his perspective toward them, they're going to come to a place in life where they're going to receive this truth and their need for significance will be met in God. In God. I want to finish this morning by um, beginning a sentence and I want, I want you to finish it in your mind and in your heart. And the sentence is this. I'm a somebody because... Let's pray. Lord, it's just an amazing thing to think that you have the capacity to know each of us and to consider us worthy and significant and important, to consider us really somebody in spite of our lack of achievement in some instances, in spite of our failings. Lord, you look at us and you see your children who are precious to you and who are loved. God, my first prayer right now is that for those people who struggle with this idea of being significant, that by your spirit that you will allow this truth to sink through their heads into their, into their hearts to the deepest part of who they are, their core. And I pray, Lord, that you'll help them to believe that they're significant because you think they are significant because they are precious to you. God, help us to bring up our children. No matter what age they are, Lord, help us to be wise and thoughtful. Help us to be like you to the extent that we can. Help us to give them significance, both in our words, most importantly, and Lord, in how we live by making them our priority. Time, attention, focus. God, I pray for the parents here. I pray for the grandparents. I pray for those who will become parents. I just pray that you'll keep, help them keep their priorities straight and that they'll align their schedules with their priorities and the children will grow up nurtured in the truth of the Lord. Let them know the truths that have been spoken here today. As parents, Lord, help us to teach them that Jesus died for them and that God has created them. God considers them precious too. God, enable us to know the truth and live by it in our own lives. Take away the resistance to truth where it exists. Help us to receive it. And then, Lord, allow us to be people who bring up our children in, in the way that you have reached into our lives. In a way that will prepare them someday to, to have their core need of significance met completely through an understanding of you. Bless us in this, Lord, we pray.